Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Anne Marie is with me on the programme today. Anne Marie, I, I got your email and, and thank you for that. You want to raise awareness about baby loss. Tell me your story, Anne Marie. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. Um, yeah, so October is Pregnancy Infant Loss Awareness Week and our month and this week in particular is, is the kind of focused week with culminating on the 15th um, with like a wave of light around the world. Um, my, I suppose I had never heard of October being this up until nine years ago or almost nine years ago. Um, I was pregnant with my first son, um, Max, having a very normal low-risk pregnancy um, and everything was kind of going as expected. And when I was 41, like almost 41 and a half weeks, um, one evening I was sitting um, hoping that I would go into labour, hoping to avoid induction. I think everybody has that fear of um, induction. So I was bouncing on my ball and we were watching a movie about a jazz drummer. Um, and Max went crazy. And I remember saying to my husband, God, he must really like uh, jazz. He's going a bit mad. But I also hoped it was a sign that he was starting to get ready um, to come. I went off to bed that night um, and um, had the best sleep that I'd had for weeks. Um, and woke up the next day and my friend had come over and I didn't really think too much about movement. Um, I was chatting to my friend and we were watching a movie with her little girl. And then when she went home, I was like, actually, I haven't really felt movement in a while. So I did what I thought you were meant to do and drank a cold drink and ate something sweet and still wasn't really feeling anything. Um, so I went into the hospital kind of expecting I was due to be induced the next day. So I guess my hope was that I'd skip the queue and I wouldn't have to be in the line with everybody else on the Monday morning. This was Sunday evening. Um, and fairly innocently went in and kind of was chatting to the midwife and um, they tried to find his heartbeat with a Doppler. And I remember them, um, they were like, oh, we're not, he must be in an awkward position. We just can't get the heartbeat. Um, we'll take you in and do a scan. And like lots of people will say that they knew at that stage, I didn't. I was completely oblivious. I was, oh yeah, that's funny that there's no... So they did the scan and they turned um, the monitor around and they showed me and they said, there's his heart. Um, there is no heartbeat. And there's there's a girl called Zoe Clark, something I forget her last name now. She writes this book called Saying Goodbye about baby loss. And I've written lots of stuff about it and, and do ramble all day long. But the, the most eloquent um, thing that I think sums up the whole experience that she has this quote and says when you hear the words there there is no heartbeat a trapdoor opens and you fall and I just think that is the most powerful description of that moment and of what happens next because there is that almost like the ground opens up from under you and what's left is you in this completely different landscape broken and trying to put the pieces together and trying to figure out where you are in this new reality and and you know having to go through everything that follows having to go through get, still giving birth to a child that will never and I think the way that I got through that giving birth process was complete denial I was so angry that they had told me this and I was thinking how dare did they not know that this could hurt the baby by giving me this amount of stress and I was going to phone into a radio show in the morning and tell them about the, the equipment in the hospital wasn't working and they told me this and look, the baby's here crying in the background. And up until he was born, I think some part of me 
believed that. Um, but unfortunately, they weren't wrong. Um, and yeah, he was born the next day. Um, I actually went into labour myself. They sent me home that night to come back the next day for induction. Um, but I went into labour um, in the middle of the night and came in and he was born the next day. He was £7.5 ounces, absolutely beautiful, dark hair and the cutest little nose. And we had such a lovely, compassionate experience in the hospital. We um, were allowed time to make memories with him, to celebrate him. Yeah. I live in Dublin, but I'm originally from Donegal, like yourself. Yeah. But uh, there was a midwife from Donegal in the hospital, um, Bridget. She was amazing. And I remember the big, thick Donegal accent coming up the corridor. And uh, she was like, I'm going into this room now to say hello to this beautiful baby. And I was thinking, oh, my God, nobody told her that he's died. And she burst into the room. and I clenched myself and then I realised straight away she did know that he died and she came over and she helped us celebrate him and she looked at him like he was any other baby and she set the groundwork for us over the last nine years acknowledging him in our lives, acknowledging us as his parents and acknowledging how proud we were and how beautiful and I think she just made such a massive difference in in everything that followed in terms of take the pictures and make the memories um, so yeah she she was an amazing um, support and, and I guess over the following years I've gotten loads of support gotten to know loads of people through different Stilber charities Fela Connor an amazing charity that I um, have been involved in and there's also a little lifetime and there's now let me down to sleep all of these people are just doing this work that you never are aware of until mm. you become you you need to be you describe Anne Marie. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry for for what you went through, but you, you, you know, you, you, you just tell it and describe it so eloquently. You know, and I, I know okay. it's not easy for you to, to, to go through, you know, all of that and 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 share your your story with the nation today. But I, you know, you've, it's you're very, you're very strong, you know, and even in terms of of how you how you've actually told and and relived it all for for listeners as well. And like I suppose that's the reason you got in touch was that you want there yeah. to be more openness and, and you want there to be more awareness because I suppose we we don't talk about baby loss a, a, enough really, you know, and, and actually yeah. King is with me on the line too because King, you've been listening um, to Anne-Marie there. Just what's your experience first of all? I'd say it's very similar in a way. Um, like we had our daughter Ella in September last year and it would have been 41 weeks and five days when she was born. And um, now we didn't actually know, like my pregnancy was just absolutely perfect. There was no concerns whatsoever. Um, so it was only when I went into labor and we went into the hospital and like we were just all excited to meet our first baby. But um, we got in and you know they just check you when you come in and... Um, one midwife came up and another midwife came up and then they went off and um, got a doctor to come in and like that as well, like the doctor then turned around and eventually said, I'm really sorry, there's no heartbeats, um, which you're never prepared for. Like you never really even consider it to be a possibility. Um, But I think there's a common kind of thread of, you know, like all you want is just your baby acknowledged. Like they were here they were here for a short time, but they were here. And, um, you know, like like Anne-Marie is saying, like, you just want them celebrated. And the charities are great. Um, you then learn 
that there's, you know, you're not actually alone. It feels like you're alone in this but there's a lot of parents going through this. And it's just, it's a great community, um, but it needs to be talked about more. I'm conscious, um, you know, there's probably just, even people listening to to you, King and, and Anne-Marie today, and maybe they themselves have just gone through it or gone through yeah, it in the past yeah. number of days and... and you know what, like when, when when it happens, it genuinely feels like you're the only one in the world. And that's where the Pregnancy Loss Awareness Week comes in. Um, it's just to say it's okay to talk about this. And, you know, there's, there's amazing support out there. Like when we were in the hospital, then afterwards, we had a great bereavement midwife. Um, I don't know what I'd do without her still, to be honest, with support. Like she constantly checks in. And we were in, um, there's, there's a bereavement room in the hospital. So we were with Ella for uh, two days. Then we got to bring her home. And, you know, we got to spend time with family with her as well. So, you know, when we, although we never will have enough photographs, um, we have about 100 pictures. And, you know, it's just, yeah. she'll, she'll always be a part of our lives. And um, it's just really important to be acknowledged. It's it's you know, yeah, and I, yeah. I you know even a text in here from a listener and they themselves went um went through something similar to to, to you King and Anne Marie a number of years ago they say and and even some of the the language I suppose or the things that people would say to them you know afterwards as well and how difficult and and how hurtful this listener's talking about that was for them Keelan O'Donoghue is with us as well on the line Keelan's um a consultant obstetrician at, at Cork University Maternity Hospital Keelan why do we not talk about baby loss more like why is there not more openness about it yeah it's a it's a good question Andrea and thank you for for choosing to cover this during baby loss awareness week um it's really hard to know. I mean, it's, it's for many a silent and unacknowledged grief. And in, in our work, both clinically and in research, it seems that, you know, there's still a stigma around this. There's fatalism around the fact that these deaths maybe can't be prevented. And that really hinders um, investigation and attempts at preventing it. And then when we don't talk about it, that limits public awareness, as, as you've heard from both your, your other contributors. Um, and we don't really talk about stillbirth in public health information. We don't actually talk about it in antenatal education. And as you've heard from um, both Anne-Marie and Kinga there, usually the first time parents hear about this is when it happens to them. Um, and as healthcare professionals, we're also sometimes quite uncomfortable talking about this as something that can happen in pregnancy. It's not a rare outcome. Um, it is uncommon. But stillbirth uh, is going to impact one in 200 to one in 250 babies. And the fact that we don't really mention it during pregnancy as something that can happen um, further limits people's understanding of it. And then isolates is that for fear more of in their experience. Worrying of or, you know, it was un- maybe sort of unnecessary stress. Yeah, I think so. Um, It's obviously the majority of people are going to have a normal and straightforward pregnancy. Um, And I think it's sometimes quite difficult as healthcare professionals to find the words to talk about these really devastating outcomes. Um, But it's really important that we find a way to do that. And when we talk to women, both those who've experienced a stillbirth and parents who've gone through a straightforward pregnancy, 
they're not afraid of talking about it. You've heard from the two contributors that their babies are important, that they need to be acknowledged and that the care they got really mattered to them. And then when we ask women who haven't had this experience, they're not afraid about hearing about it as long as it's kind of couched in the right terms. And a certain amount of that I think is about you know, empowering women in pregnancy to understand all of the things that can happen, to maybe understand some of the risk factors for some of these outcomes in pregnancy, and to empower them to when to go to hospital when they have concerns in their pregnancy, and then educating us as healthcare professionals as what, you know, to do the right things when people present in those situations. Do you think, Anne-Marie, that, you know, maybe more discussion or, or, or discourse about this um, like, like, do you, do you think it's it's important to have that for people even going through their their pregnancy? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, Professor Shanley was it. I think that that's so well described and and completely fits with my experience of it. Um, we actually did. I, I suppose there's a few reasons why I think openness is important. The acknowledging of the babies. You know, if, if a parent died and you, and somebody said to you in the morning, never talk about them again you know somebody said if your parent died nobody expects you to pretend that you've never had one which is absolutely the case for baby loss but the most important thing and the thing that I have become most passionate about over the years since Max died is that unless we talk about it unless people realize that this is a real potential outcome then they don't know to arm themselves with the mitigating um, sort of knowledge against it. This month is also um, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and rightly so. People who have had exper- who have experienced breast cancer and doctors and everybody else will talk about checking your breasts and what to look out mm. for. We don't say we can't talk about breast cancer to somebody who has a breast because they're going to be anxious about it. And actually, over the last um, two years, as part of the baby, the pregnancy and baby fair, um, I went, I thankfully have two more beautiful children now, and I went with my little girl um, and I just walked around and thought, God, I could buy any type of baby grow here. Um, but there's no, there's this huge cohort of pregnant women who don't know about enough about movement monitoring. And there's nobody here telling them. And I knew that there's a charity called Kick Count in the UK um, who do that at Baby Shows Who Share. So I contacted Falicon, who are the charity, but I know that having a Falicon stand at the pregnancy fair, you know, we would be avoided like the plague. And I get that. So Falicon sponsored the stand and um, I contacted Kick Count in the UK. And they have this amazing literature and it's not about, they don't talk about stillbirth. They don't say, this is how you avoid stillbirth. They talk about, Mm. this is how you monitor your baby's movement. They talk about things like, you know, people are given all sorts of conflicting information about is it 10 movements a day, 10 movements an hour. And actually the most up-to-date advice is that every pregnancy and every baby is different. And from 28 to 30 weeks, you'll have a, a kind of more established pattern of movement. And then it's about reporting a change in that established pattern of movement through the way people okay. that we spoke to at the baby show, they weren't scared. Like initially when we give out the leaflet, we actually had a friend of mine, Laura Thierman, who's an artist, she was painting bumps and we were celebrating pregnancy. And we were talking about, you know, this whole thing about drinking the cold drink and stuff that actually you shouldn't have to prompt the baby for movement. So if you're constantly having to open a packet of Gittles and constantly having to, you know, if you collapsed on the floor beside me, Andrea, I wouldn't keep just giving you a kick every half an hour to see if you're responding to that. And just people like when I said that's people at the baby show, they had a little laugh about it and they moved on and they actually went away feeling empowered. And also knowing what happens when you go into hospital because they were like, can we go in when it's not our scheduled appointment time? And 
And I get why doctors don't talk about it exactly as Professor Shani has said. There was a nervousness, but also there's this huge thing that pregnant women deserve to be um, like in this bubble. And I do think some people who haven't experienced stillbirth don't want to hear about it. I remember hearing two people in a classical music for bumps thing that I went to and one of them said to the other one behind me, they talked about stillbirth in my antenatal class. Like, how dare they do that? And I just wanted to turn around going, you're so lucky that they talked about stillbirth. Yeah. The only thing I heard in an antenatal class was a story about one woman one time that came in and it was kind of whispered and it was like, and she was too late, the baby had no heartbeat. And I remember the, the midwife said, you don't want to be that person. And I remember thinking, I don't want to be that person. But it was said as though it was such a rare yeah, occurrence in the hospital that there was a corridor named Which... after her. Where, but it what? happens, there's 250 stillbirths in Ireland a year and Professor Stanley can probably, I, I believe from what I read, somewhere between 25 and 40% of them are preventable if the warning signs are detected. Okay. Sometimes, unfortunately, babies will have conditions and no amount of medical care will make a difference to the outcome. But in my case, from the end of it in Kenya's yeah. case, there would have been a different outcome if we had known more. Had and known more about it. And in a Felicon support where, group wishing that they hadn't known as much. Yeah, just finally, Keelan, where would you recommend for anyone listening today if they want more information? Where, where would you direct them to? Um, in terms of information on stillbirths, the uh, HSE's My Child uh, website has some good updated information. Um, my group has been part of um, updating that. Pregnancyandinfantloss.ie is our national website run by my group in, uh, with the Irish Hospice Foundation. And that really is the resource both for uh, parents and for those in pregnancy and for healthcare professionals. And the Pregnancy Loss uh, Research Group's website via the, via the UCC site is also where to get information okay. on the work that we're doing into, into stillbirth. And then there are some websites also that uh, show you about the national clinical guidelines. We do okay. have a national clinical guideline on stillbirth. And Anne-Marie, we will shortly have one on reduced fetal movements to try and standardise the management yeah. of okay. that through our maternity units as, as well. well. And you can get those through the or CPI's Obsingaini website. Yeah, the text in here just, um, you know, to I think that summarises both, you know, Anne-Marie and, and, and Kinga's stories. Just amazingly strong, lovely, courageous ladies recounting their stories about their sad loss of their little baby baby says this texter imagine I'm so unlike them I wouldn't have the courage to go on air so I admire them so much for their tenacity today I think the midwives that suggest having a class about stillbirth and loss during antenatal classes is a great idea mothers that have lost babies if possible could perhaps have the opportunity to talk to other pregnant mothers in a non-dramatic way that's just one suggestion in from one texter today thank you so much Anne-Marie Kinga for getting in touch with us by email today and Professor Keelan O'Donoghue as well the email is lunchtime live at newstalk.com lunchtime live with Andrea Gilligan weekdays at midday on News Talk.